Get your lift notes out if you got them. This is going to be a fun one. A few weeks ago, my wife and I did a few messages in a row on mountain moving prayer. Coming right out of the words of Jesus. It's his idea, not ours. (laughs) And we're going to dig deeper into that today. Dawn felt a, a stirring in the spirit as she was praying and reflecting the last couple weeks on Let's go back to that mountain-moving prayer idea and press into the reality even further that we looked at, but maybe not with this clarity. Jesus teaches us to make commands in prayer. That's a startling reality. Now, there's lots of different types of prayer that we could say are are legal, (laughs) are authentic. I mean, we looked at a couple weeks ago, even when Jesus was teaching mountain-moving prayer, there was a a father who had a boy who was sick and diseased and had a, a, his son was demonized, and the end of that scenario is this father saying, I believe, what's the next words? Help, help my unbelief, and the boy was healed. And so there's that big, beautiful umbrella of grace when we come to prayer that if all you're bringing is help, that's okay. And if you want to look back into the Psalms, man, I'll be honest, like David is a complainer sometimes. (laughs) He's being very raw in how he's feeling that I would say honestly is not theologically correct with what Jesus says in the new covenant we can depend on with God, where Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But David likes that word forsaken. God, you forsook me. God, you have forsaken me. God, you forgot your promises. God, you forgot your love. It has disappeared like a little cloud. All of that is 100% theologically untrue. And if you're feeling that, God can handle those kind of prayers. (laughs) But, even though those prayers of desperation and help and complaining and whining are are okay if that's where we're at, because God can handle it and he wants us to be real, he doesn't want us to be fakers. I believe the way Jesus teaches prayer is he wants to move us along, if you will, till we don't just settle there. Desperate help, whining, complaining, if that's where you're at, Be real with God, but he doesn't want you to stay there. Jesus wants you to move in a direction because of your identity in Christ and being his ambassador on earth where you are learning to make commands in prayer. Jesus teaches us in Matthew 21, 20 to 22. Here it is. In the middle of that mountain-moving prayer, check out how he teaches us to make commands. When the disciples saw that the, that the fig tree was withered, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even more, if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive it if you have faith. 
So Jesus takes this scenario where he cursed a fig tree and the disciples are really impressed. They're like, wow, how does that happen? And Jesus takes that as a teachable moment and says, you're impressed with what I did to the fig tree? Well, guess what? Don't be impressed with that. You want to be excited and impressed? Here's what God's going to do in you. This is literally what he's saying. I tr truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not now, you will not only do what has done, been done to the fig tree, but even more. If you say to the mountain, even if you say to the mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. It's an astonishing building where they're impressed with what Jesus does to a little fig tree. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, you have no idea what God wants for you. You, God wants you to be able to make commands in prayer. Where you will speak to a mountain and say, get up and be thrown into the sea. And what does Jesus say? And it will happen. Those verbs, be taken up and thrown, we're going we're gonna to geek out a little bit today into the Greek and into the tenses and into the grammar. And because at times... That's where the gold is found. And today, that's where the golden nuggets are found. And my wife's the one that pointed this out. That's what she was feeling stirred up in the spirit of like, we're not focusing on the, the command nature that Jesus is teaching us. So let's dig in. And so we had fun digging in together, talking, and, and it's about to get crazy. Yeah, um, so... I really, really, I actually didn't know all of the Greek because we've looked into part of it, but um, it was a few weeks ago, and all of a sudden, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to really delve into the Greek in Matthew 6, into those command words and exactly what Jesus is saying, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was going to be birthing a movement of prayer out of it for us, and then from there... I felt like he was saying, you know, that with that as your kind of foundation, then you're going to be looking at prayers in the New Testament, both by Jesus and the apostles um, through a new lens. And so I really feel like there's a revision that's happening right now. You know, there are certain ways of prayer and culture um, in our Christian culture in the church that we have learned um, certain ways that, um, certain things that even with the idea of commands have in a way become unacceptable because they're just, what, for whatever reason, they don't sound quite right, they sound assuming, they just sound odd, um, and I feel like this is just a real time to welcome the Holy Spirit in, like Ephesians 1 talks about, to open the eyes of our hearts to give us his spirit of revelation and to show us what it looks like to be transformers, to be people who partner with him to transform our earth to look like heaven. Um, and so I feel like there's going to be a new movement and birthing of prayer that comes through this. Amen. Okay, so let's get right into it. So Matthew 6 is where she felt led to take us, which we're going to go, but there's the, the, in some senses, a predecessor, an introduction is where we, to go back to the mountain moving prayer, and you see it there too. So I want to use this text as the intro, and then we're going to go right smack dab into the middle of the Lord's prayer. 
So be taken up and thrown into the sea. Matthew 21, 21. We should just all memorize that. Matthew 21, 21. Matthew 21, 21. It's where Jesus models commanding in prayer. He teaches his disciples specifically to make commands in prayer. Say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. There's two verbs in that uh, sentence in the Greek. Both of them are in the imperative sense. Imperative, if you're not familiar with the grammar of it, just simply means it is a command. It's a command. Like, do this, don't do this. That's just a straight up, you're not asking questions, you're not wondering, you're not begging, you are making a command. You are telling a situation or circumstance what to do. You are not begging God to do something. You are speaking to a situation and commanding that situation to change, to essentially bow the knee to Jesus. So, What's interesting in the Matthew 21 passage is that then Jesus finishes with, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So that's where there's the both confidence and humility, literally back to back in verses 21 and 22. Jesus says in verse 21, you tell situations what to do. You are the situation's boss. In your identity in Christ and as an ambassador of Christ on earth, you're not looking at situations and being scared. You're declaring, break every chain. Chain, break. And then Jesus says in verse 22, I, this is like the heart posture behind it. So whatever you ask in prayer you will receive if you have faith. So you're also asking at the same time you're commanding. But here's, how does that work? You're not asking the situation and you're not commanding God. You're commanding the situation and asking God. So simultaneously in your heart posture, both things are taking place. Whereas a, as a child of God, you're coming before your father asking God, to move mountains, you're asking in prayer, you're believing that he wants to do it. That's your heart posture, we're not commanding God. But to the situation, you are absolutely in command, making commands about how the devil needs to go. So you're commanding the situation, but your heart is humble and asking God. It's right here. So this, is this a little something to wrestle with? Yes but that's good, that's healthy. There's tensions all over the Bible. That's how we grow. As a follower of Jesus, it's, these are literally Jesus' words. You cannot read this passage and walk away and say, well, Jesus doesn't teach his followers to make commands. That's just for him. No, it's literally the opposite of what this passage says. He says, oh, you're impressed with a fig tree that I did? Well, guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna speak to the mountains, they're gonna obey you and go into the sea. And all the while, have a humble heart where you're asking God. So this is the adventure of, of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus. We get to learn what this feels like, what's this, what this looks like, how to do this. Um, I want to clarify, we're asking God. 
But I, I actually would say I would want to um, focus on the fact that we're not asking him, asking him actually I think would not be the word I would choose, partnering with him. Because, because this verse in itself says we're supposed to say our Father in heaven. Oh, sorry. Okay, okay. Did Anyways, you yeah, I did follow the notes. Anyways, no, 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 just let me finish real quick. So, partnering is good, though. Part, it's partnering because we're not questioning whether His will is to bring heaven to earth. His will is birthed through us partnering with Him. That's how the gates of heaven are opened up. It's our faith standing in agreement for what he wants to do. So it's not an asking of, well, if you want to do this, it's not, that's not what humbly asking. It's more just like humbly partnering, that we're, we get to be his children and we get to partner with him and we get to command the mountains and believe with faith that our father is a good father. He wants to give us good gifts and above all, he wants to bring his kingdom. He wants to have heaven transform earth. He wants to bring his kingdom into every single situation here on earth. So I just wanted to clarify that, that the posture isn't one of asking with a question mark of, oh, God, would you please do this? It's partnering with him. It's, it's, it's as if a son or daughter of a king is going into a new territory and just declaring the king's rule over that area. This is owned, you know, you're saying to the enemy, get out of here, this is owned by my daddy, and this is what is going to be established right now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to move on to the Lord's Prayer now, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time and to show that what Jesus teaches in Matthew 21, which is after the Lord's Prayer, actually sequentially in the Gospel of Matthew, it's not an accident or an anomaly. It's actually the foundational way that Jesus taught his followers to pray, right in the heart of the Lord's Prayer. And let's say one quick word about that phrase, the Lord's Prayer. It should really not be called the Lord's Prayer. It should be called the Disciples' Prayer, the Believers' Prayer, the Followers' Prayer, because it literally comes from Jesus's answer to the disciples' direct question, Lord, teach us to pray. So this is Jesus responding to his disciples saying, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Now, obviously, it comes from the disciples watching how Jesus prays and watching Jesus pray and having a power and authority that put them in awe and wonder because they had never seen anyone pray like this. They had never seen mountain-moving prayer like Jesus has. But the point, the point is, in this prayer, Jesus is responding to their direct question. Teach us to pray. We want to pray like you. So it is the Lord's Prayer, but it's the disciples' prayer. Luke 11.1 1 is where they say, teach us to pray. And then right immediately following that is Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. So let's get into the Lord's Prayer. And let me just emphasize, this is how Jesus wants us to learn to pray. Learning is the key word. It is a growth process. And that's where we just get to bask under this beautiful, awesome umbrella of grace, where we never beat ourselves up for where we are not. Where it's where we get to 
have be cleansed of all imperfection and unrighteousness and sin by the blood of Jesus and then just get excited about who we get to become in Christ. And so you might find yourself today on, on kind of more on the end of the spectrum of help my unbelief and, and just kind of the begging and complaining. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I've got something way better for you. And it's not about condemning you that you're here. It's about saying, hey, you're covered by grace here, but man, living over here is way better. So come on, come on, learn, learn to pray like this, Jesus is saying. Yeah, and so the learning is so important. And I think the scripture as a whole gives us so many examples, like Casey was talking about with King David, you know, the lamenting, the, oh God, where are you? And so in this journey with God, one of the most important things is that we are honest with where our heart is at and that we're not faking it, you know, because faking, that's, a, that's called a powerless prayer. If the kingdom of, if God's spirit hasn't transformed your heart and your prayers are not coming from a place of overflow, that's not a good place to be. Now, I'm not saying that there are times and that a part of the growth process isn't actually just learning to declare and learning to command even when it feels uncomfortable that is a part of it but i'm more saying that there is an honesty that i think king david does demonstrate in the psalms for us and i really think that's so much of um a lot of the lessons that god wants us to really to have to really go into us and marinate within us that w with everything have an open dialogue and conversation with god Daddy God, this is where I'm at, or whatever you call him. You know, this, this feels weird to me. Would you transform my heart? Would you teach me to pray like you taught the disciples to pray? I know this is your heart for me. You know, help me to take these steps of faith. I feel a little strange doing this. Whatever it is, however your heart is feeling, that honest communion and fellowship with God is the most important thing, and that is where his flame will light up your heart. That is that place of sacrifice that just, where you're just honestly coming, I need you. I need you to help me in this, you know, and, and then turning that from, I need you to declarations, thank you that you, that you died on the cross so that I could experience transformation from one degree of glory to another as I look into your eyes and as I commune with you. So just an encouragement that this whole message is a journey that we all want to be on to learn to pray as Jesus wants to teach us to pray. Amen. So let's read that famous disciples prayer. Matthew 6, 9 to 13. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So where we want to focus today is right in the heart of the prayer, Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is the heart of the prayer, and what's so exciting about it is that the whole thing is a command. 
Similar to Jesus saying in Matthew 21, 21, be taken up and thrown into the sea. He teaches us to talk to mountains. And by the way, that's, you know, a metaphor for those situations, those spiritual situations that are less than kingdom of God heavenly. And you speak to those mountains and you command them to move. It's the exact same idea here. At the heart of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray is to make commands in prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so let's get geeky in the Greeky. Here we go. (laughs) Two verbs in that very famous statement. Translated, come and be done. They are both in the guess what tense, imperative. So these prayers, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and at the heart of the Lord's prayer, the disciples' prayer, he teaches them to make commands, not petitions. These are not requests. These are demands and commands. The imperative verbs, interestingly, are, now, are also the first word in each phrase in the Greek clauses, not the last. So as in English, we read them as the last. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's the opposite in the Greek, which is a way of emphasizing something. So the verb is first in both of those clauses because the author wants to emphasize that, hey, this is cool. (laughs) Pay attention. This prayer is command, command. So the literal prayer, if you want to kind of go off what we've said so far, is come, kingdom of yours, be done, will of yours. But it's not even done yet. This phrase, your kingdom come, the word, the verb that is in the imperative and is first, come, is erkomai, which has the sense, and this is beautiful, of an arrival, something that is coming to pass right now an event that is kind of taking place. So this prayer is more like this phrase that we often think, your kingdom come, or we pray that. It's in, it's, it's in the translations. It is very appropriately translated like this. Arrive now, kingdom of yours. Your will be done. That word done or be done is the word ginomai, which is the being verb in Greek, to be to exist, to come into existence, to be created, to be formed. That's a big word. So the imperative form is the command, come into being, be formed. It's like a creative, productive sense. Something is going to be created. Something is going to be produced. So the prayer can very appropriately be translated. That phrase that we know, your will be done, is very appropriately translated, come into being, will of yours. And then this last phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. I literally don't know what on earth the translators were doing because the the word order in Greek is literally flipped and it makes such a difference. The word order, the literal word order in the Greek is, as it is in heaven, so also on earth. 
And there's no verb in that last clause. They're all just these little conjunctions that are connected to the prior two imperative verbs. So as it reads, as it is in heaven, so also on earth, it's going back to those other two verbs. So the disciples' prayer can very appropriately read like this. There it is. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray this commanding prayer. Arrive now, kingdom of yours. Come into being, will of yours, as it is in heaven, so also on earth. Whoo! I mean, that is worth meditating on. That it's, it's in your lift notes. Circle that. Memorize that. Think about that. Ponder that. If that hasn't blown your mind, at some point in life, you're not alive. I mean, this is mind-blowing in what Jesus is teaching you how to pray and all the implications behind it. He's telling you to see situations that are less than heavenly and get a fire in your belly where you have the authority as a follower of Christ and ambassador of him to say, arrive now, kingdom of God. Come into being, will of God. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. It's the same exact idea that Jesus teaches in Mark 11, 24. This idea from heaven to earth. I, I love how the Greek actually says that. But it flips around our normal where we typically say on earth as it is in heaven. And it kind of means the same thing. But it's very easy to get messed up when we're praying from earth to heaven. In this sense, when we look at all the problems on earth and just get overwhelmed with all the problems and be like, heaven help! Now again, that's a legal prayer. It's not a bad prayer. But what does it look like to be praying from heaven? What does it look like to pray from where the kingdom of God is already fully manifest and seeing that, believing that, and declaring, arrive now on earth. Or we're praying from heaven where we, the will of God is fully done. The will of God is fully done and we command it, come into being now onto earth where his will has certainly not yet fully come to pass. As Jesus said, it's under the authority of Satan. This earth is. So we're not praying from earth to heaven. We're praying from heaven to earth. And this is the same exact idea, Mark eleven twenty four. 24. When Jesus teaches about mountain-moving prayer, and he says, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Look at the tenses of those verbs. Believe that you have received it. So we can add an appropriate word. Believe that you have already received it. It's past tense. And then it will be yours. So when you pray and you're making declarations and you're commanding situations, Jesus says the way that's going to be effective is when you're praying from heaven. You believe you've already received it. It's already done in heaven. His kingdom is fully manifested. His will is fully done, and you see that. You believe it, and you declare situations to bow to that. 
that's when it will come to pass, Jesus says. It's all, it's all in there. So, Matthew 6.10, what a prayer. Arrive now, kingdom of yours. Come into being, will of yours. As it is in heaven, so also upon earth. As it is in heaven, so also upon earth. That one, literal, that one little phrase is literally the heart and essence of every commanding prayer. As it already is in heaven, so also on earth. It is the heart and essence of prayer, but it also becomes the heart and essence of life. That's what I want for all of life, which then now that begins to make sense where Paul says pray without ceasing because that's, that's the kingdom. That's the heartbeat of the kingdom. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. I want that for every moment of my life. I want to see that reality transform every single nook and cranny of my broken life, of this world that has fallen and broken. I want to see the kingdom manifest in every aspect and that's what Jesus is teaching. That that is the heart and essence of his prayer that he wants us to learn to pray. Make those commands. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. So a huge part of that is revelation. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. Um, one of my favorite verses, which I actually could do from memory, but I'm probably going to botch it just the tiniest bit. So I'm just going to read it. Can you hold this up? All right, I reference this verse a lot um, because it is absolutely one of my favorites, that and if this one and Ephesians 1, because, and Romans 12. Romans 12 talks about be transformed by the renewing of our minds. <clears throat> Sorry, that never happens to me. By the renewing of our minds. Um, and we get transformed by spending time with him, by getting in his word, by praying, by worshiping, by just marinating in his presence. Um, I do that a lot where I just, I, I worship throughout the day. You know, um, I intercede a lot, but I honestly, the vast majority of my day, I try to spend in a place of worship. And in that place of worship, I just, my faith is attached to, and I'm just believing that as I'm worshiping, his presence is just marinating around me. And these issues that I um, am and, and needing breakthrough in, whether it's physical health, whether it's, you know, issues with our house, whether it's finances, whatever it is, I'm just believing that as I'm worshiping, that his presence is literally changing my physical surroundings because his presence is what makes heaven heaven. In his presence, in heaven, there is no sickness. There is no death. There's no premature death. There is no, you know, all of these bad things that exist on earth. What makes heaven heaven and all of those things vanish is the goodness of God. It's his dominion. 
It's his domain. Um, so this verse, I feel like, is so important in learning how to command for the will of God to be done because we need to know in our hearts what the will of God is deep in our hearts. And so in that is a process of getting close to him, of looking into his eyes, of getting into the word, of knowing his word and of asking him to transform our hearts according to his word. Um, and so this is 2 Corinthians 3. It, I'll just start in verse 17. I say this a lot, but it is just one of the most important foundational verses and really how our minds are renewed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the word says we have the mind of Christ, but at the same time we are also in the process of transforming. So in this process of learning how to pray, I just want to encourage us to really be pressing in to God to transform us, asking him according to his word to give you the mind of Christ, to transform you. Thank, you, thank him, thanking him in faith. Thank you, God, for transforming me from one degree of glory to another. Thank you for your kingdom being birthed in my mind and in my heart so that I can be filled with the faith that moves mountains, that speaks to mountains, and they move, they vanish, they disappear. So the heart posture of continually transforming and being on a journey is really important so that this can be a place of authentic overflow. Now, that being said, there is nothing wrong with, and I would say it is an important part to just step out in faith and do it when it doesn't feel natural yet. You know, when Peter stepped out on water, it did not feel good. It did not feel right. It felt quite unnatural. He was violating the natural laws. Well, guess what? We serve the God of the impossible, and the ways of the kingdom are not the ways of the world. This is a completely different way of life. So there's going to be an, a little bit of an uncomfortability as we step out and learn to walk on the water, as we get out of the boat. You know, the boat is the world's way of being on the water. Well, it's not Jesus's way of being on the water. Um, should I share my worship thing? Yeah. Okay, so this was actually really interesting. So Casey and I had been talking about the message, and I actually didn't even know that the Holy Spirit was speaking to him on Monday and giving him, um, all as he was going through all of the Greek of Matthew 6. And... Um, that same day, Monday, I felt like basically the Holy Spirit was speaking to me on what I'll share with you right now. So um, I shared with you the part about the worship marinating us, but there was actually something really fun that um, regarding the verse that we just went into where we're saying as it is, or we're commanding the kingdom to come, we're saying come into being, and then the verse is, as it is in heaven, so also upon earth. And I really felt like what God was impressing upon me 
is coming at a place that's from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven. And I'll explain the nuances of that in a second, but I want to read um, Colossians 3 real quick because this is very, thank you. You're so good at that. Um, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So how do we set our minds on things that are above? Um, I feel like so often, you know, when there's something in our lives that we're praying over and something that we want to change, we need it to be transformed, sometimes it feels like we're coming from a place from earth from the problem, and we're kind of just like grasping at heaven. Like just, you want to grab it, but what's more real to you is the physical realm that's around you. And I feel like God just kind of gave me this secret, and it's not really a secret. You all know it. Um, But it was just a very practical tool on how to come from heaven to earth, on how to see from that aerial view. Um, And it actually, it was funny because it actually, God actually spoke to me through a cartoon. Um, My middle son and I were snuggled and watching a cartoon, um, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Um, And in this cartoon, um, the natural physical elements, uh, wind, fire, and water, and earth move. And they're moved by these characters. And so you have the natural realm, the physical realm, that is basically doing the impossible, right? And I felt like, I'm going to read it from my journal. Um, I felt like what the Lord was saying to me is that when I'm first uh, rooted in him and worshiping him and coming from a place of worship that is an Worship brings his presence. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. So you worship him and his presence comes right in. He's there. Worship him and the devil runs. I mean, if you've ever seen people who are manifesting the enemy, the enemy flees if you just start singing. You know, the the word of God, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus and worship, you just worship and they're like out of here. Can't stand it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, the coming from a place of abiding in him, of that John 10, but worship for me was like, you know, I can, I can feel like I'm coming from a place of abiding in him, or I can try to do that. And sometimes I just feel like the physical problem on earth is kind of so big that I kind of feel like I, I described that I'm more like grasping for heaven where I'm like, Ugh, like bringing it down, and it's like that wor- somehow the world seems too loud for me. And I felt like God gave me this tool saying, just worship. Just come into my presence first. Just worship, and worship out loud. And, and you know, if you're out at a grocery store or places, you know, you can worship inside your heart. I do that all the time. Sometimes I just like stillness. But worship, just worship and he is enthroned on the praises of his people. And his presence comes and it breaks into our current reality. And then from that place of worship where I'm rooted in him, from that place, 
I felt like he was showing me, so the um, cartoon, it's called like The Last Airbender. And I felt like he said that when I'm rooted in a place of his presence and a place of worship, when I'm coming from heaven, when I'm coming from that aerial view, the natural world bends. Like airbender, you know? Like it bends. You know, they bend water, they bend air. But it actually bends. So he is the rule breaker. He made the rules. He's the rule breaker. He is the difference maker. When we come from a place of being in his presence and from worship and from seeing with his eyes, that's so important. Daddy, how do you see this? Daddy God, how do you see this? What do you want me to, to declare? What is in heaven? So, uh, And for me, really that shift of taking me from a place of fear or seeing the natural world and just kind of not feeling very spiritual and not feeling very full of faith, a really amazing tool for me is just go into a place of worship. As you worship, your heart shifts, you're brought into his presence, and you have a, a, a faith and an ability to see with his eyes and to declare that. And the earth and, and, and then in that, our earth changes. Whereas, I felt like he was showing me, if I'm starting from earth, not with, seeing with his eyes, and even just calling out, you know, things to change, if I'm starting from that posture where my heart feels like the physical realm is far greater and I'm not coming from a place of worship and seeing from that aerial view from his perspective... Um, the physical realm is quite solid. It's quite solid and it's unbending. And I felt like he was saying to me, just, or giving me this tool, worship, be rooted and grounded in my presence. Come into my presence. If your heart doesn't feel like you can command yet, when, you feel, when the world around you feels overwhelming, you know, I mean, and this happened last night, like he has this little thing on his ear that just started turning funny. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's skin cancer. You need to go to the dermatologist, you know, and I'm just being real with you and I'm freaking out, you know, like I, I'm not like, oh, I'm just so full of faith. Cancer be gone. You know, I'm like, ah, that's basically where I'm at. And I'm like, okay, I need to go get my heart right with God. I need to worship. And you know what? I have like so much fear and yucky feelings that I need to worship out loud. And I need to dance. And his kingdom, his kingdom breaks through. You'll actually, I'm going to give you a little tool here as well. When you are at home worshiping, worship over situations and dance. It's all over the Bible. Dancing breaks the strongholds of the enemy and it tangibly brings the kingdom of God. Be stupid. Look like a fool. The ways of God are different than our ways. I will literally just do movements like bringing heaven to earth. When I'm praying over my sons for healing for them, I'll be like, boom. And I'm, I'm, I'm not looking good. You know, I'm not going on, you know, whatever those dance competitions are. That's not what I'm here for. But there's something about, <coughs> excuse me, worshiping and dancing and partnering with God with our voices that bring his kingdom, with our bodies that bring his kingdom as we dance. There's just something about, you know, the ways of God are so different. Looking like a fool is what so often brings the kingdom. 
It's not the ways of the world. The physical realm is not going to bend when we come at it with what's normal in the physical realm. It's when we come at it with the ways of God. You know, Jesus spit on mud. What is that? I'm just saying, what is that? So that's Jesus listening to God, listening to the Father. He is God, I know that. Um, But it's Jesus listening to the Father, doing what the Father is doing. The Holy Spirit, as you are worshiping and praying and declaring, will also give you specific action plans and steps of faith to partner with him to bring his kingdom. He might tell you to go, you know, walk around something 12 times, but there's all sorts of different things. It's not going to be just what you see in the scriptures because his spirit is alive in you. He is moving. His spirit is living and active. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we can expect for new stories just like what are in the scriptures in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. We can expect new stories to be written through us, new testimonies of Wow, God spoke to me and he told me just to go, you know, sing over the situation. Or he told me to go walk by my boss's desk every day and just touch the desk and bless it. Or whatever it may be, he will give you kingdom transformation strategies. And as you partner with him, his kingdom will be birthed. And I do want to say, don't give up. Even with Jesus, when he spoke to the fig tree and the roots started withering, they didn't see that and the fig tree was there. Now, it only took a day because he was Jesus. We're not Jesus yet. We are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. And just the same way when Daniel prayed and, um, was it Gabriel? And the angel, Michael, right? It was Michael. It was one of those. Um, And the angel came, I believe it was 21 days later, and said, as soon as you prayed, I was sent. But I was battling, he was essentially saying, I was battling the the demonic realm. This is a battle. This is a spiritual battle. And it is so important to continually ask God to transform our hearts and our eyes so we can see with the eyes of heaven and also so that we don't grow discouraged when we don't see it take place right away. And the most important thing is so that we don't grow discouraged and then partner with the devil by believing a lie and saying, oh, well, I guess it must not be God's will. It is always his will to bring his kingdom. There is not sickness, there is not, there's not emotional, you know, there's not relational, awful relational issues, there aren't all family problems, there's not financial issues, there's perfect provision in every way. There is the kingdom of God, so we need to be almost to take heart and to pull up our bootstraps and to continually press in for the courage to continue to fight the good fight so that we can have a life that continues to birth the kingdom. And there's also something so tender and so sweet in the places of vulnerability when we don't feel those things. When I'm like, God, I've been praying for so long and I feel weary. I need you to transform my heart, to open the eyes of my heart, to to renew my mind like Romans 12, and just continually come to that vulnerable place. You know, like Hebrews talks about, we come to the throne of grace. There's so much grace 
Just come to that throne of grace, to that daddy God who died for you for everything so that you could be transformed from one degree of glory to another. And so you could continually grow in a journey of partnering with him to see the kingdom of God transform earth in every single area of your life. All right, to close our time, let's take that and as a church family, let's just together pray it, pray it loud, pray it as a command, pray it as a declaration, get something in your life, a situation that you are commanding to come under the kingdom of God, the will of God, as it is in heaven, so also on earth, and this this is just one little exercise together, and as God grows us, teaches us to pray like this. And this is one step on the journey. So, one, two, three. Arrive now, kingdom of yours. Come into being, will of yours. As it is in heaven, so also on earth. Dance a new dance like David.